Sorry, guys. My pencil was not wanting to cooperate with me. So, good morning. Um, let's go ahead and get ready to take up the tithes and offering. Um, worship with that. If you need uh, an envelope, just slip your hand up. We'll get one to you. If you have not already grabbed one. And again, of course, just as a reminder, we do... Um, have the opportunity for you guys to be able to give online, uh, also by text, so however you prefer. Uh, we, it's funny, uh, I used to not ever want to do that as far as the online deal, and I feel like that's the, it really is really the easiest way to do it now, so a lot of people I know have went that route. Um, how's, how's everybody's week been? Yeah, everybody enjoying this pretty weather we've had? Man, I've, I've been loving it, so. I'm waiting for all the pollen to finally stop, though. I feel like I washed my vehicle, and anyway, it's right back, so. Right back, so. All right, let's go ahead and get ready to take that up. Father, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity to be able to give into your kingdom, uh, to advance your good news, the gospel, uh, in the world. And we, um, Father, again, we want to give because we love you. We thank you again for this opportunity. It is a privilege to be able to give to you. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. And everyone said, amen. I'm trying to think of any major announcements we have we have coming up. I can't think of any. Uh, the women, can anybody remind me of something? Is there anything I'm forgetting? We're good? No. Where's Miss Debbie? Miss Debbie normally... She's the one normally that would tell me. So keep me on, keep me uh, on track. So, Amen. So good to have Apostle with us this morning, and Sister Dorita. Yeah, and uh, so good to have Jeremiah with us this morning. He just surprised me. So he he sent me a text when he's like five minutes out. And so anyway, good to see you, buddy. Very good to see you. Good to see all of you this morning. Good to see you all. So, uh, before we go into uh, the message, does um, does anybody need healing, or does anybody know of anyone that needs healing in their body? Anybody? Yeah. Slip your hand up. Everybody, let's just do this. I feel like we need to do this before we go any further. So, Father, we just thank you for healing. Uh, we we thank you, Lord, that everything we need, you have already provided. We're not beggars. We don't have to beg. Father, we just freely receive everything that you have already purchased on our behalf, including our healing. We thank you. We claim and we receive the healing power that flows from your precious spirit right now. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our healing. It is a foregone conclusion. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. How many of y'all believe it? Yeah? You believe it? Awesome. Thank you so much. Can y'all give her a hand? Give, give the worship team a hand. Just thank you so much. I told Jeremiah, I apologize to him because he, he had just missed Addie and the other two. And uh, last time he saw them, well, it's been a little bit, hasn't it, bud? He saw Janae, and he's like, who is that? Like, what, what is going on, man? It's weird. Because it's like you get to a certain point when you're aging, and you feel like, you know, like, you, like, you, you're, like you're not aging no more. You know, mentally, like, you stop to certain, you know, I, I feel like I'm still young, and I, I'm wrong. Um, but uh, you get to that point, and then but just like everybody else, you see somebody like, oh, my goodness, last time you saw her, I think she was again down here, and it's just awesome to, um, to see the growth uh, that, uh, that God is doing in so many, and uh, love, love seeing, again, what God's doing in her and Addie, and just, just awesome. Amen? Uh, let's just jump right into the Word. I, I want to pick up where I left off from last week, and so uh, if you weren't here last week, it's all going to be new to you. If you were here, then... You're going to get it again. Ain't nothing wrong with repetition. Amen? Again, repetition is not uh, just so that you can repeat it, but so you can reproduce it. 
And so we want to just continue to go over certain things the Holy Spirit is saying so that we can reproduce it in our life, okay? Um, I put this out, I think it was last week, but that the wilderness is proof that you don't need to be a, uh, you don't need a Pharaoh to be enslaved. All you need is an unrenewed mind. The wilderness is proof that you don't need a Pharaoh to be enslaved. All you need is an unrenewed mind. Because in actuality, they were freed, but yet they were still bound in their mentality. They had a promised land waiting on them to possess, but yet they fell into unbelief. Not just in what they believed about God, but also in what they believed about themselves. They sent spies. Which is interesting. Because even in Jesus' time, that's what the religious did with him. They spied on him. It's almost this idea that surely it's too good to be true. Twelve were sent. Ten came back and said, we can't do it. Y'all remember? You know what the number ten is? You know what it means? What's ten always signify? Always. In the Bible. The law. It's interesting, isn't it? You know the consequence of it when they came back. You remember what happened? The ten died because the letter of the law killeth. It's amazing how you start seeing all these little things and you start becoming, at least I do, I start realizing, I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense because the law could never possess the promise. The law was incapable if, if, the works, if works could save you, then the law would have been your savior. If works could save you, the law would have been our savior. But it couldn't. Couldn't possess the promise. Because the promise was never about a land. It's funny how we get caught up in geography. <laughs> we get caught up in days, you know. So the whole thing Jesus was constantly trying to show them is that it's not about a day, it's about him. That's why he intentionally healed on the, day, on the Sabbath. It's not like he forgot it was the Sabbath and they had to remind him. He knew. Everything he did, he did intentionally. Because he was trying to undo a way of thinking. And that thinking a lot of times, again, was wrapped up with this idea that it was about days and it was about geography and it's about all this stuff. And he's like, no, no, it was, none of that. It was never about all that. The promised land was never about a land. The promised land was about him. He is the promised land. He is the promise. Because the only way we are going to inherit the promise is through the promise coming. Again, that's why Moses was able to go into the promised land, but he could only go into the promised land after the promise had come. When he was actually on the Mount of Transfiguration, giving confirmation to the fact that he is the one. Amen. The reason he is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus is because he represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And both are testifying of the reality of the fact that this is him. The son in whom the father is well pleased. Again, which is the reason why he doesn't say listen to them. He says listen to him. Because they no longer bear significance. The only significance of them was to lead you to him. But let's build some altars and, you know, and that's that mentality a lot of times. And it's one of those things, again, where we have to pull away from because we have to realize that everything was centered around Jesus. Amen. Everything is still centered around Jesus. All right. It's almost like this idea of surely it's too good to be true. But again, the promised land wasn't about geography, or type, it was a, but rather typology. Again, it was a type of Christ. The promise isn't a what, but a who. The religious of Christ's day spied on him, questioning him, thus questioning themselves. Um, I made a statement last week, you know, I really believe that if we preach the who that is truth, people will be more open to the what that is truth. If you preach who... I had a, um, a situation just recently. I was talking to this guy 
And I know I'd, I'd mentioned it to him, and I saw him again the other day. Um, the guy had been through a lot of hurt, just been hurt so much by religion. And uh, he, he told me, I don't know if I made this statement to you, you guys or not, but he told me, he said, you know, he said, I've, I've had this vision of getting to heaven, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to punch God. And then I'm going to hold him, hug him, and then I'm going to ask him, why did you put me through so much hell? This was his mentality. And a lot of people would get offended by that. I didn't. And I'll tell you something else. God wouldn't. Because the reality of it is, is that the reason he has that idea is because of a misconception of God. He wasn't introduced to God. He wasn't introduced to the Abba. He wasn't introduced to who the Father really is. He was introduced to this, to this Zeus-like tyrant that put him through all this stuff. And I'm like, no, man, he didn't do that. Uh, most of the reason why you experience the hurt you experience is because of what man did, not because of what God did. That wasn't God. Matter of fact, he wanted to keep you from that. And had those people been in love with him, you would have never encountered that. So I'm having this conversation with him, and I start just pointing him to Jesus. I start just showing him how it's all about Jesus. I show him Psalm 22, tell him about it. I just start going through all the stuff and how it all leads to him. And he's sitting there. You have to see this dude. He's really, he's, it's funny. He's kind of like a, almost like a hippie looking dude, you know. And uh, he's sitting there and his, his eyes get big. His mouth opens up and he said, man, why has nobody ever told me this? Why has nobody ever told me this? I see him a couple days later, and uh, he says, hey, man. I said, what's up? He said, well, he said, I got to tell you, I went home that night, and I just started reading Psalm 22. He said, I've never seen it until you said something. I never saw that. I never saw how that was pointing to Jesus. And just seeing his eyes and open and his heart just... And I told him, I said, well, you know what's funny? The Bible says when the two fools on the road to Emmaus took from the bread of the tree of life, which is Christ, they made a statement, a very interesting, profound statement. They said, did not our hearts burn as he showed us the sense of the scriptures? And so what starts happening is when you begin to show people how that really is about Jesus. And it's not about a building. It's not about a temple. It's not about, it's not about a day. It's not about geography. It's not about none of that. It's, really, it's all about him hearts begin to burn. They begin to ignite and eyes begin to open and they begin to see that it's really him and that everything else really was just a waste. It was dung. It's pointless. <laughs> it's pointless. It's all Jesus. Amen? Well, either that or then you have the religious and they'll get it, they'll, 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 they'll burn too. They will. But when you start making it all about him, and you start pointing to him, and you stop deflecting from your own abilities and your own doing and your own works and your own striving, they get really ticked off as well. They get burning, but it's in a bad way. They get mad, they get angry, because again, they want it to be about everything but him, even though they won't say it. It's interesting. Again, the, the common trait of every person that ever encountered Jesus was obsession. They either became so obsessed with him that they couldn't pull away from his chest, or they became so obsessed, again, that they ended up driving nails through his hands and feet. But one way or the other, they became obsessed. And I will tell you, if you ever really encounter him, you're going to become obsessed. You will. And everything else you will see is nothing but a distraction. It's just, it's, it's a distraction. Amen? So... Let's pray all distractions are removed. Amen? One of the most difficult, challenging things we ever face is just, again, to refuse to, to believe the simplicity, of the, gospel, uh, the simplicity of the gospel. That surely he didn't mean what he said when he said it is finished. Surely we didn't actually die with him in his death, resurrect with him in his resurrection, or ascend with him in his ascension. Surely there's something else we have to do to, what, to add to what he's already done because obviously it wasn't enough. Surely there has to be some form of contingency. 
But gospel with contingency isn't gospel, at all, uh, isn't gospel at all. Because Jesus is the contingency. His blood is the contingency. The cross was the contingency. The resurrection is the contingency. The ascension is the contingency. Jesus is the contingency. And you better be thankful he's the contingency. Amen? God has done what the law could not do. It's power being weakened by the flesh. Again, the stone type of the law was rolled away. And man couldn't do it. Man couldn't remove it. But now that the stone of the law has been removed, we now behold the empty tomb, the finished work of the one to whom the law once concealed or veiled us to. To look upon the items in the ark that were all a type of the law, you would actually have to remove the mercy seat, Jesus, in order to do so. I'll tell you, as God told Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, again, listen to him. Listen to him. Point to him. Everything has to be about him. The Son in whom the Father is well pleased. Because, again, the only significance of them was to point and lead to Christ. Everybody say this. Say, it is finished. How much? All of it. Um, I heard somebody, this last week, was talking about, you know, what do you do when you're in conflict with the difference between um, basically what you know to be supernaturally true, what is true, and, and yet, you know, what you're facing seems to be contradicting, because they were talking about facing contradiction. Um, really interesting point, and I've kind of made something, you know, statements about this before, but what happens when what you're facing in the, in the current state, in your current position, your current life, or whatever it is you're going through, your current circumstance, seemingly contradicts supernatural truth, your eternal reality uh, that is rooted in what God believes to be true about you. You know, what, what happens? I don't know. Has anybody ever faced like contradiction? Like where you, you feel this contradiction between what I'm feeling and yet what I know what God believes about me and uh, the passage of Scripture, one of my favorite, is when he says that, you know, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God, uh, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? It's interesting, he says, make the faith of God. Whose faith? He's the author and finisher of our. And I think a lot of times we, we had this idea, I know I did growing up, that faith begins in me. Like that I have to conjure it up. That it's something that has to be conjured. That's kind of what I believe, you know, for a long time. But that's not at all what the Bible actually says. That he's the author and finisher of our faith. Faith begins in God. Well, how can it not? I mean, everything begins in him, does it not? So it really comes from him, it's out of him, and then reciprocated back to him. It flows from him, and then it reciprocates back to him. So faith begins in him. What is the faith of God? It's what he believes about you. What God knows to be true about you is what defines you. It's not what you believe about him that defines him. Whatever you believe about him, it doesn't change him. If a person doesn't believe, does their faith, does their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Let God be true. That's another interesting, profound statement, isn't it? Again, I've said this before, but how do we allow God to be what he already is? He let God be true. He just is true. He just, he just is true. But when I align with truth, when I align with what I know to be true, it's, it's, it's like this thing, it's like it's releasing 
the truth of what I know that he knows to be true about me to be manifest in my life despite contradiction. Y'all, yeah? It's easy, isn't it? Carrie, it's easy, ain't it, man? (laughs) But what he believes about me is really me. I've been on this, you know, the last couple of weeks, but, you know, Paul says, this is why we no longer know each other according to the flesh. Why? Because that's not the real you. We no longer know each other according to the flesh because the flesh seemingly will contradict the truth of your identity. And if I get wrapped up in this outer thing about what I'm facing and what I'm doing, and, and, and this is not just about everybody else. I mean, this is, this is yourself. I mean, how you see yourself. You no longer need to know yourself according to the flesh. Because what we, what we tend to do is we get so distracted by the earthen vessel more than the treasure it carries. And what he's saying is, I no longer know you, carry. I don't know you according to the flesh. I know you according to the treasure that that flesh possesses that is within there. It's within you. And this is how I no longer know myself according to the flesh, but I know myself according to the treasure that this earthen vessel houses. Because that's where the true identity lies. It's in the treasure. And everybody say this. Say, I am treasured oh no and i am treasure yeah you're both you're treasure and you're treasured now how many feel like that right now come on y'all feel treasured you feel like you're treasure you feel like when abba looks at you that you he sees treasure or do you feel like when abba looks at you that he sees outer vessel he don't see earthen vessel. He sees this, the truth of who you are, beloved, accepted, loved. It's who you are. Even when you don't believe it, truth doesn't become truth the day you discover it. Truth doesn't become truth the day you discover it. Truth remains truth regardless of contradiction. Truth doesn't need agreement to be true. What about when, again, contradiction comes? Does it negate truth? No. Truth remains constant irregardless of contradiction. Oh, but we get so distracted, don't we? And we love giving weight to contradiction. And then by giving weight to contradiction, we actually then fall into delusion, which is why we fall into despair, which is why we fall into anxiety, which is why we fall into depression, which is why we fall into all this stuff, because what we're doing is we're losing sight of the truth of who we really are. You know, you think we learn from that whole garden thing, but we just keep falling right back in the same deception and it's like we just don't learn. It's amazing, isn't it? Like you would think eventually we'd catch on. Who are you? I tell our sales reps when we go to do uh, ourselves, you know, we'll go to a door. First things we tell people, first thing, tell them, say, tell you, tell them, I said, here's the thing, right? Who are you? Who are you with? What you doing? Just keep that in your mind, right? So I tell them, I say, don't overcomplicate it. Hi, my name's Clint Sears. That's what I tell them. With Innovative Construction, not here to sell you anything. First thing we say. You know why? When I tell you that, you know what you want to know? Why are you at my door? If you're not selling me something, why are you here? So what I'm doing is I'm asking, and then I say, okay, so who are you? Because before anybody is interested in anything you're offering them, they first want to know who you are, right? So who are you? So listen, all right, right, so here's my question to you, and this is the same question I felt the Father's asking you, who are you? Who are you? 
Everybody say, I'm beloved. That's who you are. Everybody say, I'm righteous. Yeah, how? Everybody say, I'm holy. How? If you don't have any other answer than in Christ, I don't know what you're doing here. I'll do it again. Everybody say, I'm holy. How? You're right. Everybody say, I'm righteous. How? Everybody say, I'm accepted. How? Everybody say, I'm loved. How? When I was talking to that, to that gentleman the other day, and I'm, and I'm sharing the good news, I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I told him, I told him this very simple when it was all over. I said, here's the difference between what you were introduced to when you were younger compared to what you're being introduced to now. It's the same thing with the two fools on the road to Emmaus. The difference between what they were introduced to from the time they were young to the encounter they, they were able to uh, to have when they were older. The difference was this. Now, that, now, growing up all their life, obviously, none of that really, they, they heard it, you know, it was mental, they, they, you know, knowledge and all this stuff, but really when they encountered the one that all of it foretold of, then they're like, oh my goodness, finally, this all makes sense. Right? And the difference was all their life, they were taught what was truth. But for this one moment in time, they encountered the who that is truth. And you can be taught what is truth all your life. I'll do it again. Here's a good what is truth. It is appointed unto man to die and to face judgment. Is that true? It's true. Okay. I can go through a lot of things that are true. But when you hear what is truth before you're introduced to who is truth, you might not be as receptive to the what. But when you encounter the who that is truth, it opens you up to the what, woman at the well? St. Fatini? When you encounter the who, now you're open to the what? And you know what we've done? We haven't really preached who. We've preached what? Tell me I'm wrong. Introduce them to who? When you introduce them to who, let them encounter the who. They will be open to the what? And Holy Spirit will begin to come and introduce what? As they go along. Are y'all hearing this? Again, we love to try to birth babies' feet first. <laughs> this idea, you know. The last thing again to come out is the feet. The last thing is the walk. Amen? All right. Let's go for it. If your innocence could not be redeemed, then redemption would have been incomplete. What made your redemption complete is that your innocence was fully recovered, restored, and redeemed. He redeemed it all. Everybody say all. The reality is that we cannot exaggerate his finished work, but we most certainly can underestimate it. The danger is not in exaggerating what Christ accomplished in his finished work, but rather in underestimating and diminishing the fullness of it. This, again, is why we no longer know anyone according to the flesh. The original sin wasn't in eating the fruit. The original sin was believing the lie of separation and other than this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the awareness of the consciousness of good and evil, the I am not tree, the tree of delusionment, the belief that he held something back, that he held a part of himself back, from you so that you wouldn't see when in reality he kept it from you so that you wouldn't be blinded. The Bible says that every high place will be made low and every crooked place would be made straight. Even the question marks 
will become exclamation marks. Jesus did not come to establish another dead religion, another form of bondage disguised as faith. He didn't come to compete with Muhammad, Buddha, or even Moses. He came to exhibit the true nature and the character of the Father, to unveil the truth of our original design, which is innocence, to become the firstborn of many brethren of the same womb, a redeemed womb, an innocent womb. It's the treasure, again, that was hidden in earthen vessels. A treasure that is hidden does not lose its value. It only becomes hindered from fulfilling its intended purpose. And Christ is that treasure within you. The hope, the joyful anticipation of good, of glory, the doxa, a good opinion concerning you. He is our Father's good opinion towards us. The same doxa that he has given, that the Father gave to him, he's also given to us. It's ours. But the question is, do we know it? Do we know who we are? This is why Paul again continues to say this over and over. Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? It's one thing if it's true. Yes, it is true. There's no question it's true. But do you know it's true? Do you know what the Father really believes about you? Do you know the truth about what the Father believes about you? Do you know it? Everybody say, I know as everybody say, I know that I know that I know that I'm beloved in spite of contradiction. I know it. How many of y'all believe Jesus died? How many of you believe Jesus resurrected? How many of you believe that he ascended? How many of you believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father? Cool. How many of you believe you died? How many believe you resurrected? How many of you believe you ascended? How many believe you're sitting at the right hand of the Father? Okay. Because they're one and the same. One truth is no different or greater than the other. Both, both of those realities are true, are equally true. Both of them. Again, truth doesn't become truth the day you discover it, but the freedom that that truth carries with it does. You didn't invent truth the day that you believed. You simply unveiled the truth of what has always been. You've always been loved. You've always been accepted. You've always been a son. A lost son is still a son. You are, you are not the creation of your mother and father. You are the creation and the idea of God that existed long before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb. Truth always remains truth. I want to do this. I actually think I'm going to, Lord have mercy. I had some other stuff I want to get to, but we'll see. Let me, let, me, let me do this and we'll be done. Everybody say this. Say, I was worth it. Yeah, everybody say this. I am worth it. Yeah, not only were you worth it, you are worth it. <laughs> you are worth it. He doesn't see you any different. You're worth it. He ne- Listen to me. He has never once looked back at what he did for you and regretted it. Think about that. He's never looked back and went, you know, I don't know. Man, they can be, whoo, they can be a pain sometimes. I don't know. No, he's never regretted it. He'd do it again. He'd do it all over again. No man counts. No, No man builds without first counting the cost. And again, before he ever went to that cross, he counted the cost. He knew what it would cost him. And again, the conclusion when it was all said and over with is that you were worth it. All the pain, all the hurt, every single thing that he felt, he counted it. And his conclusion is that you're worth it. So your value, your worth isn't in what you do. It's not in what you don't do. It's not in another person's belief about you or opinion about you. It's not in anything other than one thing, and that is the blood. Everybody say this. Say the blood says I'm worth it. And if you need anything else to give you worth, 
Whew. <laughs> That's dangerous. Everybody say, the blood says I'm worth it. The blood speaks a better word. The blood speaks a better word. Amen? You're worth it. The power of revelation is to reveal truth that has always been. Jesus is truth. He has always existed, therefore truth has always existed. It just needs to be unveiled, uncovered, or rediscovered. Again, the purpose of light is not to expose darkness. I used to say that. I think that's probably one of the top ten most ignorant things I ever believed in my life. Dark, light doesn't expose darkness. That's absolutely ignorant. I don't know how more asinine of a statement you can possibly make. If I shine light in the darkness, it doesn't expose darkness. What does that even, what does that even mean? It dispels it. It doesn't expose it. It dispels it. And it makes known what darkness once, hid, once kept hidden. The purpose of light is to reveal the truth of who you are. That's the purpose of light. The reason why we're to be the light of the world is to dispel darkness and to reveal to people the truth of their beloved identity that darkness has kept them hidden from. So they can finally discover the truth of who they really are. That's the whole purpose of light. So that you can finally behold the way that he beholds you. So that you can finally behold the way he has always beheld you. Yes, sir. It's good news. We love achievement theology, don't we? We love leveling up. We love thinking we're playing Mario. We love this idea. We do, man. We love it. We, the religious love that mess. They love levels. But I've got news for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you fasted and prayed 40 hours this week. You're no, more whole, you're no more holy than the person that didn't. You're no more sanctified than the person that didn't. Because guess what? It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's not about achieving to become. It's about believing in the reality of who you already are. It's not becoming something I'm not. It's beholding the truth of who I am. That is the gospel. Either you're veiled to it or the veil's off. All about whether or not you're veiled. Do you see truth? Is truth a what or is truth a who? Is truth a what or is truth a who? Yes. Thank you. I love you. Yes. Yes. Everybody say yes. Yeah. It's both. It's both. Up until Christ, we knew truth as a what? When Christ came, he says, now I am the way. The. Uh, that's right, not a, but the. The sum total of all that truth is, I embody. I am. And the only way you fall into the I am not is if you keep eating from that other tree that's telling you that this is who you are and he's saying, no, no, it's because you're eating from the wrong tree. Eat from me. Eat from the bread of life. This is why when they took the bread from him and their eyes were open, they didn't see them. They saw him. When Adam and Eve took from the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they saw themselves. See, that's what that does is it causes you to, causes you to look at you. Christ... If you're really eating of him, you really want to know whether or not you're eating of him? Very simple. I can tell you. I don't, I don't have to wonder. I, don't, I mean, I can tell you 100%. I can tell you. Who are you looking at? I can tell you right now. 100%. If, if you're eating from him, if you're... All right, watch this. How many of y'all still thirsty? Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will never... Why are you still thirsty? Oh, we're not... Because can I tell you what it is? We're really not in that place of resting in the reality that he is enough. 
And this is what he's telling. She left her cup. (laughs) She came and she left it. Because what she got from him was far more fulfilling. The, the water she, the living water she received from him was far more fulfilling than the water she would have got out of that well. And she says, no, I don't need that no more. I've tasted of him. I thought I was thirsty for that. I thought I was thirsting for the what, and really I was always thirsting for the who. And now that I've encountered the who, the what means nothing to me. Come on. When I eat from him and I'm consuming from him, I'm not ever looking at me. I'm always looking at him. And if I ever find myself looking at me, I find my eye immediately recognize it and go, nope, 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 nope. Nope. Absolutely not. I'm going to flip that page and get right to Romans 8. That Romans 7 stuff will mess you up. Ah, 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 that's not Nickelodeon, wasn't it? Is that the Nickelodeon theme? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. That's what it was. Yeah. I have found my greatest trouble, my greatest enemy, and it is. And I have found my redeemer, and it is. It is Jesus. All right. Y'all good? All right, let's keep going. True transformation will come will never come by uh, by realization realization excuse me of just what is truth. It will only come by revelation uh, revelation of who is truth, not just of what, but of who. If you'll preach more and exhibit to them the who, again they will be more receptive to the what. The revelation of the gospel is not in what Adam did wrong, but in what Christ did right. All of Israel was redeemed in Egypt. Likewise, all have been redeemed in Christ. Still slaves. Some can still be slaves. You can still be slaves and be, you can be redeemed and still be a slave. That's proof in scripture. They were redeemed by the blood, still slaves. It wasn't until they got through the river, I mean through the, the Red Sea. And again, we talked about this. When it comes to the Red Sea, what color was the Red Sea? What, what color was it again? Because there was a birthing that was happening. It was a rebirthing. It was symbolic of a, re, of a, of a birthing. Them coming out uh, through water, birthing. There's water on the other side. And then they were completely saved from Pharaoh. Totally delivered. The Egyptians, you've seen today, you'll see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. Everybody say, the Lord will fight for me. The problem is they became so used to their slavery that even though they came through the Red Sea and got on the other side, they were incapable of being able to possess everything that was already promised to them because their mentality had never changed. I want to show you this, and then I'm going to go to the other. Hosea 6, 1 and 2 says this, Come, let us return to the Lord. This is beautiful. This is uh, one of the most beautiful uh, depictions, uh, types of, uh, of Christ in uh, the three days, after the three days. Uh, and, and I love it, but look at this. It says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for He has torn so that He may heal us. He has stricken. He was stricken so that he may bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, quicken us, give us life. And on the third day, he will raise us up so that we may live before him. Wow. Now, I want you to look at this real quick. Notice the inclusive language that it's using. Notice the inclusive language. He has been torn so that he may heal who? All right. He has been stricken, okay, so that he may bind who? Us up. It's inclusive again. So again, all this happening in him is happening in you. He's doing it. It's not just for you, but as you. Okay? Not just for you, but as you. After two days, 
He will revive who? Us. Quicken us. Give us life. On the third day, he will raise us up so that we may live before him. Now, here's the good question. Who's we? Everybody see me? Yeah, you're the we. And notice it had nothing to do with anything you did. He did it. He accomplished it. Everybody say he done it. Everybody say he done did it. (laughs) Everything he was sent to do, he accomplished it. And not only did he do it for you, he did it as you. It was inclusive. You were included. Do you not know you were baptized into his death? Likewise, you've been resurrected. Now you sit with him in heavenly places. All that he did. He did it not just for you, but as you. Now, here's the next question. Again, this is why I was reading from Acts 17 the other day. I love Acts 17 when he's Mars Hill, when he's talking in Athens. Paul is. He's preaching to them and he says, I saw when I was walking past one of your. Yeah, to the unknown God. He's he's on what? On. Yeah, he said, you don't even know that you worship him. He says, you, you, you don't even realize. You don't even know. And here's the beautiful thing about it is you don't know him, but he knows you. And this is what he's telling them. And that's where the, path, the famous passage, I know, Brother Gil, we quote all the time. In him, we, we, and we have our, and he's telling that to a bunch of pagans. Go read, go read it. He's in Athens. He's in Greece. <laughs> He's not at like a, a Billy Graham crusade. He's talking to people. He literally says, I walked by one of your, your buildings here that where you worship idols. I literally walked by one of the places where you worship your idols. And I saw the inscription where it said to the unknown God. And I'm helping you to understand that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. And that includes you. And he's helping them understand. Because look. Look at this, guys. When he says he was strong that he may... Who's us? Only the Jew? Only the ones that said a prayer? Only the ones that came down and felt terrible about what they did last week? This is gospel. You know the problem with, you know the problem with gospel? It's so simple, it messes us up. Because we love complication. And what he's trying to do is help you understand, no, 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 this wasn't just for a select few. This was for everyone. He was stricken so that he may bind us up. Who? All. He died once and for. Do, do all know it? Not all know it. That's why he said to the unknown God, you don't know him yet, but I'm coming to reveal to you. That he is awesome and he's beloved. he loves you and you're beloved and his name is Abba. This unknown God, I'm here to introduce you to him and, and to reveal what darkness has hid you from. And not just to reveal to you him and how amazing and beautiful he is, but also the way he believes and what he believes about you. And what he believes about you. Again, the faith of God. See, let me ask you a question. Do y'all believe the faith of God can contradict this? Can God's faith contradict this? This is the faith of God. It's what God knows is true. God knows that every person, look at this, every single person in Christ, because Christ is, again, now he's the last Adam. He is now the representation of all humanity, not Adam. Adam doesn't get that right no more. I love how we still want, we love keep, continuing to keep, keep Adam in business, but you know, the whole point of Jesus coming was to kind of run him out of business. Um, but look, he will raise us up. Who? Oh, he raised all up. They just don't know it. Guys, listen to me. If, I could, if I, there's one thing I could like, just like get into you, man, there's one thing. Help people to know who they are. When I'm, when I'm talking to that young, that, that guy, he's really not young. He's not young. He's, he's older than I am, but 
in God's eyes. He's young. He's young. That's young. That's right, Brother Gil. That's young. Thank you, sir. That's young. But when I'm talking to him over lunch, and I just begin to see his eyes open and tears begin to fill his eyes, and he's like, why didn't nobody ever tell me this? I had a lady come up to me one time. She was older. I know I've mentioned this before. And I've had somebody else recently tell me the same thing. They said, for the first time in my life, I feel like I've actually heard the gospel. For the first time. Because all their life, they were pointing to the what? But they needed to be introduced to the who. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and the whole thing is the real Christ. The real Christ. That's good. So true. Because it really is about Christ. It has to be. It has to be. All right. So now let me go into the rest. Yeah, I, always, I always preach at least three sermons, so it's going to be my last one. Um, <laughs> um, so has everybody has there anybody ever experienced shock and awe like anything is like, like you're like whoa where'd that come from anybody ever had that happen yeah you know like you're driving down the road and something just runs out in front of you one of my customers the other day he his uh, it was his niece hit a deer and really, well, again, it, the deer hit her, and it was, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was like almost came into her windshield. And uh, she was telling him, she said, I just didn't see it. It just happened out of nowhere. So I want to share something with you guys uh, just from my heart. So uh, uh, I've actually been toiling over this probably for the last few months, uh, maybe even longer than that, to be honest with you. Uh, do y'all remember me talking to you about um, the guy, Ravi? I just want to, just to kind of give you a little heads up of where we're going here. I remember talking about the guy, Robbie, that I talked to on the phone. The guy, he did the documentary, he was in the documentary, Father of Lights. You remember that? Well, the other day, I'm sitting there and I'm praying. Hmm? That's fine, yeah, that's fine, you can do that. The other day, I was praying and... Um,